I love it when God's people just just worship Him and sing from the, your hearts. And I I heard that. I loved hearing you sing. We believe in God the Father. I, I, that was just a real blessing to hear you sing that song. I want on that foundation to go to a passage of scripture. If you are a veteran Christian, you're going to recognize it as the, the, the faith chapter. And some of you are already going to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. It's also kind of known as the Hall of Fame. Um, but uh, it's an important passage of scripture for us to look at today as I prayed about what I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach about today. I, I found myself here. So we're going to Hebrews 11 and we'll look at the first 19 verses. It'll be projected for you, but great idea to have your Bibles because there are several other verses uh, and scripture around this for you to kind of uh, help put it in context. Here's what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not not seen for by it the elders obtain a good testimony by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible by faith abel offered to god a more excellent sacrifice than cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous god testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household and by, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has its foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had not, if they had called to mind that, that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, for which he also received him in a figurative sense. 
In World Magazine, famous interviewer Larry King was quoted to saying the following, and I'm going to read this quote to you. He said this, I can't make the leap that a lot of people around me have made into belief that there's some judge somewhere. I have a lot of respect for people of faith. I've done so many interviews on it. I've always searched. But as someone has said, did you ever sit down and read the Bible cover to cover? The answer is no, because I don't know who wrote it. I too, I'm too, I'm sorry, I'm too in my head to be in the faith. Faith is a wonderful thing. And I envy people who have it. I just can't make the leap. That's a strong statement from Larry King. Faith is a wonderful thing. I envy people who have it. I can't make that leap. I want to tell you, faith is a wonderful thing. And it comes from God, my friends. By statistical average per capita in our society, fewer people now possess real biblical faith in our country than even 20 years ago. If you look at the percentages, um, there's the percentage of people who are, are, are um, the percentage that's growing are people who are um, indicating that they have no faith. They believe in no God. And faith is something that is eroding in our society. But that said, faith is an amazing gift. If you possess true biblical faith today, you are greatly blessed and you have every reason to praise God for it. It's a wonderful gift. I want to also just say this uh, at the outset of the message. Faith, when God gives it to us, is something that grows with use. You exercise faith and it gets bigger when you use it. Don't worry about running out of faith. If you use faith, it's only going to become more. That's not like our cars. We use up our cars and we, use, we eat up our food supply. But when God puts that little bit of faith into our hands or into our lives, the more we use it, the more faith we get to have. And that's a wonderful quality of faith. And I want to just throw that out there to you. Don't be scared that you're going to use up your faith. Don't be afraid of that. Use your faith. And all that's going to happen is it's going to benefit you because it certainly builds your relationship with the God that we are praying to this morning and we are worshiping uh, uh, this morning. As you apply faith, your, play, your faith grows. This first verse intrigues me. I love this verse when we are told now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to talk to you a few minutes about the substance of faith. As most of you know, the Bible was translated uh, pretty much virtually from two original languages, Hebrew and Greek. And the Greek word, the original word that has been translated into the word substance in this verse has a literal meaning. And here it is, stand under. So this paints a word picture of a stand or a foundation that holds up or supports something. We are being told here that faith is the foundation, the substance that holds up our relationship with God. We need faith in order to have a relationship with the Lord. Faith is the stuff. Faith is the substance of a believer's righteousness. You can't be right with God if you can't believe in God. 
And so the, it is the, the, the platform, if you will. It is the, the, the stand that is under our relationship with God. It's such an important uh, uh, biblical um, uh, principle for us to understand. It is, the, it is the firm persuasion and expectation that God is everything. And will perform everything that he says he will perform in his holy word. It's the supreme confidence that everything he says is absolute truth. If you have that confidence today, that was given to you by God. It's a wonderful gift. It's a freeing gift to know that you know with every fiber of your being that there is a God. That he, that he is exactly who the Bible says he is. If you have that God gave you that. That's the foundation. That's the thing that stands under a relationship with God. And folks, there are a lot of Larry Kings out there who just can't do that because they don't have that foundation in their lives. And I'll get to that in a little bit later. The substance of faith, the stuff of faith is believing God. For example, our, our text in our text, verse 6 says, if we are to please God, we must believe that he exists. We can't have a relationship with a God we don't believe in. We can't, we can't even build a relationship if we don't believe in who he is and, and if we don't believe that he is who he says he is. Not some far away, out there, Sort of semi-God. He is God. And, and that's the foundation that we, that we build a relationship with the Lord. That's the stuff. That's the substance that holds up right standing with the Lord God. I think it was my dad one day. I'm almost certain as a teenage young man. Um, I think it was my dad that I asked this question to. When you're 15 and 16 years old as a teenager, even way back in the Stone Ages when I was a teenager, I remember having this quandary in my spirit. And I, I just like every other young person, I wanted a significant other of the opposite sex. And so I was interested in dating and I was interested in building a relationship with someone. And I was already contemplating what will it be like to be married? And so I was thinking about these things and one day in my, in my meditations and thinking about it, I was at the age where I wanted to start dating girls and, and, uh, it, I was, I was trying to figure out how I'd get a girl to go out with me. But anyway, I was just thinking about those things and I remember saying to my dad, dad, I, how do, how do I know when it's love? And more importantly, how do I know that I'm dating the one? Because honestly, even from a young age, I wasn't all that interested in just dating. I, I wanted to meet the one. I wanted to marry um, uh, when I, you know, when I met the right one. And so, so I was interested in it. And I said, Dad, how do you know? How did you know when you married Mom that she was the one? And, and my dad, did he did a horrible thing. He looked at me and he said, Son, when you meet the one, you'll just know. Come on, Dad. That's all you got. All these years of wisdom. That's what you're going to impart on me. I'm, this is a life altering thing and I'm trying. I'm grasping. And all you got is when you meet the right one, you'll know. Well, I'm about to do the same thing to you in a sense. When you have faith, when you get the substance of faith, you'll know it. 
When you come to a relationship with the living God, you just know what it is. You know how it works in your life. It is the substance. As I mentioned a little while back, faith can be strengthened. It can be developed. But the substance of faith itself came from God. And I'm grateful that we can know that we know we have faith. Verse 1 tells us that faith is the stuff or the substance of things hoped for. Faith gives life to hope. It gives birth to some hope. It's that inner certainty that we can take God at his word and he means it and it's true. That if God makes a promise, it is true. That is a confidence. It's, faith holds up my confident belief that what God has promised will happen. I know that God does not lie. Listen, folks, I've never laid eyes on Jesus, and I don't think too many of us in this room have. As far as as I know, I have never put my eyes on the Lord God. I've never seen his form. But I have to tell you, because of faith that is inside of me, I have a hope. I'm going to see him one day. I'm going to be with him in glory one day. And it's a confident hope. I'm not confident in me. If you knew me, you would know that. I don't put confidence in myself. But I have every confidence in Jesus Christ. And he promised that if I would believe, if I would put my faith in him, if I would build a relationship with him and live with him, then one day he is coming back for me. And one day my name's going to be called. And I'll be with him. In glory. He said that he is going away. To prepare a place for me. I'm going to that place. Not because I'm a good guy. But because my God never lies. And I have faith. That that's going to happen one day. And that makes hope. Spring up inside of me. To be very honest with you. I'm kind of excited. About the day that I get to meet Jesus Christ. I'm excited. It's not that I don't love my world. And, and, and the things. That, my life in the world. And the things that God does for me. I love you. And I enjoy being pastor of this church. I love my wife. I don't know how she loves me, but she does. I love my friends. I love the things that God puts into my life. I'm very grateful for them. But one day, I'm going to leave all of that behind to be with my Lord. And I have to tell you, that's a hope for me. I'm looking forward to it. That's the substance of things Hope for. You've never seen it. You don't, you don't know what heaven looks like and neither do I. We get some descriptions. We just know it's there because God says it's there. Amen? We have hope. We can have hope that tomorrow when we wake up and I have this secure hope. This is the stuff that God gives me. That the same God who was with me yesterday And is with me right this very moment. When I wake up tomorrow. I have every expectation and faith. That the same God will still have me. With his everlasting arms underneath of me. And he will care for my needs according to his wisdom. Amen. Amen. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Because I have a God who has made promises to me. To care for me as his child. God didn't say Ken by the way. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, but but that's going to happen. He didn't say it's all going to be smooth, Ken. I'm just going to make everything so easy for you because you're my child. God doesn't say that. He says, I'll be with you. And this I know. 
However dark the day is, I have hope because I have Jesus. That's the stuff. That's the substance. Listen, we're all going to suffer pain. We're all going to go through hard things. Physical pain, emotional pain. There's all kinds of things that are going to happen. We live in a broken world. And because we live in a broken world, bad things will happen to us and around us. That's what it is. What's so wonderful is to have the stuff, the substance that holds us up, that builds our relationship with God. It is that hope that we have. It is the stuff, the substance of things that we hope for. I thank God that I can have hope. And I have hope because I have come to completely believe in Jesus Christ and the Son of God. Bible says here also in verse 1 that faith is the evidence of things not seen. And I want to talk to you a few moments about the evidence of our faith. The evidence of faith lies first and foremost in what we will believe without seeing. I've been talking a little bit about it. Most of you believe in heaven, and I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it yet. That's faith. That's faith. That's how that's, how that's working. As I said, most of you believe in Jesus Christ. You haven't seen him, but you believe him. You've sensed him. I've sensed him here today. He's been present with us. I've sensed the presence of the Lord, and I believe in him. I know that this little phrase that we, we read here in verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God, is a small phrase, but it is an enormous biblical truth. You cannot please God if you cannot believe in God. And that's such an important thing. We can't come to God if we don't believe Him. Above that, it's required for us to believe that God rewards people who earnestly go after Him. And you know what I love? This is, this is how I'm going to translate this out. What's so good is that God would want to have anything to do with us anyway. Amen? Amen. Isn't he a good God? I mean, what does he want with us? Well, he wants a relationship with you and he loves you and he will reward you if you go after him. And reward, you did not hear this preacher, nor will you ever say what that means is God will give you a lot of money or the car of your dreams. Or God will make your life smooth and easy. No, the reward is Him. There's nothing sweeter. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more beautiful than to have communion with the Lord. He will meet you when you are alone with Him. He will meet you when you are worshiping Him in a group. That's, that's the greatest reward. And He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And there is that hope that I've talked to you about uh, being with Him in eternity one day. What an enormous and amazing thing. What a gracious God that He opens up His arms to receive the people who will seek Him, who will earnestly go after Him. My heart breaks when I encounter a person who can't make that leap. I feel my heart goes out to Larry King. A man who by all accounts in our society. Very successful hard working man. An educated man. An intelligent man. And it's all for nothing if he can't find faith. I don't think it's because God hasn't offered to give it to him. I think he's just rejected it. I'm not trying to be unkind. But a person who can't have faith ends up having an, uh, no hope whatsoever for eternity. There's no hope for life beyond this one. And so what a gift, my friends, if you have faith 
Praise God for that. Thank him. I think it's the deepest tragedy when I encounter a person who cannot get their mind around the fact that there is a big God who loves them and cannot make that leap. But in, in addition to the evidence of our faith lying in what we believe without seeing it, the evidence of our faith comes to light and what we are willing to do because of it. Our faith has to motivate us to action. That's a purpose of faith. God doesn't want you to just assent to him. God doesn't want you to only say, oh, yeah, I believe in him. I believe in Jesus. That's not enough. Because if we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, therefore divine, and God himself, if we believe that God is God, then shouldn't we treat him like he's God? Shouldn't that make us do something that causes us to worship him? If he is the God of the universe, does he not deserve for us to give him our worship? Does he not deserve for us to serve him? If he is the king of kings, which he is, if he is the king of kings, shouldn't we treat him like he is the king of kings? Our faith has to motivate us. Our text passage alludes several times to several examples, I should say, of what I'm talking to you about. And there are several examples here, but I'm going to center on two of them. I want to talk to you a little bit about Noah. It's mentioned here in our passage as we read it. And Noah was minding his business, and one day the word of the Lord comes to him, and God reveals to Noah that the world is about to be completely destroyed, and that he has a task. He has to build an ark. It has never rained, and the God, has, God is telling him, oh, I'm going to flood the whole earth. And Noah probably didn't even know what a flood would look like because it had never rained. And Noah built this ark, and it was a tremendous undertaking. This was a vessel of over 100,000 square feet. Imagine trying to put this thing together. Just getting the materials would be something. And Noah builds this ark. It takes a long time to build. And the Bible tells us that he did all of this that he did because he believed what God was saying to him. Good thing he wasn't like some of us. We wouldn't be sitting here. I'm not trying to be unkind here. But, you know, we might look at that and say, ha. You want me to what? And and just totally skip over. Come on, God. You're not going to really destroy the whole earth. Not, not the whole earth. You want me to build? You want me to do all of that? And some of us would have put it off. We would have. Oh, who knows? Thank God Noah had enough faith that motivated him. He believed God. Oh, the earth is going to be destroyed. Oh, I need to save my family. And I'm going to have animals. Great. I'm going to have two of every kind. Wow. And I can just see this plan unfolding. I love his faith. He just, okay, God. Every time God says, okay, next is, this is going to, okay, God. I want you to cover this with pitch. Yes, sir. And he just does. What God tells him to do because he is motivated by his belief in the word of the Lord. And oh, that preaches, my friends. Oh, we get in trouble because we we say with our mouth that we believe God, but our actions tell us otherwise. Amen. God help us. And here comes uh, where's Sharon. Here comes Sharon. Amen. Oh, my or ouch. It's where it is. Jumping ten verses down from the story in verse 7 about Noah, 
Um, we're looking here at the faith of Abraham, who also one day, in the middle of just an ordinary day, receives the word of the Lord. And this is an incredible story. You see, Abraham was at, by this time in somewhat of a celebration mindset. God had done something that was huge for Abraham. He had given his wife and he, when they were very old, a son. And this was no ordinary boy. God told Abraham, I want to make him a nation out of this boy and out of his seed. There'll be a nation so big you won't be able to number them. And then God comes to to Abraham while Abraham is serving the Lord. And he says, Abraham, I want you to gather your son to yourself. And I want you to go to this place and I want you to build an altar to me. And I want you to sacrifice your son on that altar. Just like you would a lamb. And I'm just trying to imagine how that hit Abraham. Talk about faith. How do you understand something like that from God? How does that line up with the God that Abraham had followed? And I see some parents sitting here, and this is my reaction too. I don't know how that happens. But Abraham loved the Lord more than he loved anything or anybody, and he believed in God. And so they set out on that journey, and he had his son carry the wood that would be used to burn him up. And Abraham gets to the place the altar is made. And Abraham eventually gets to the place where he has his son tied up. He stretches him out and a knife is raised to slaughter his own son. Why? Because he reckoned that God made a promise about this boy. And God, if you have me kill him, then you have the power and you have the the ability to raise him up again and live again. I love in this story when Isaac asks his father just before his father takes a hold of him, puts him on the altar. Isaac looks at him and says, Father, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham answers, God's going to provide that lamb. What an amazing story. Faith, evidence of faith comes from what we are willing to do. I could camp here all day because I think all of us If we really looked at what we are willing to do for God and we stack it up against some of the patriarchs. The only word I've got for it is pathetic. We get upset with God if he inconveniences us once in a while. I've got to teach that class? God, you want me to do what? You want me to bake a cake and take it to my neighbor? I'm busy. I mean, I I don't want to shame us, but I'm telling you, the evidence of faith is what we are willing to do when we say that we love the Lord. So is there evidence, church? Let's talk congregation. Is there evidence that we have faith here in our congregation? And make it personal. Is there evidence in your life that you have faith in the God of your life? I'm going to move very quickly to the function of of faith. How it functions. A man was on a walk one day. It was a nice summer day. 
And he decided to take a walk just for just the sake of walking. And as he was going out, he happened to pass a little league ball field, and there was a game in progress. And so he was passing left field fence, and he sort of uh, waited for a little bit of a lull in the action. He leaned up against the fence, and there's this young man out there. You know, he's punching his glove. He's, he's getting ready for a play to come. And, he, and the man yells to the boy. He says, hey, what's the score? And a little boy said rather enthusiastically, he says, we're losing 18 to nothing. And then he turns again, you know, he's just waiting. <laughs> and a man's taken aback by that score. And he says, well, I have to tell you, you don't seem very discouraged at your score. And that boy looks at him with a puzzled look and he says, well, why should I be discouraged? We haven't come up to bat yet. That boy, I love his faith. He just knew in his mind that once they got up to bat, there'd be some more runs on the board for his team. He had confidence that his team was going to come back. Yes, they were scoring on them, but his team hadn't even batted yet. I love the function of his faith. It gave him hope. It gave him a sense that he had confidence. The boy wasn't discouraged with the terrible score. He just knew that the, he, they had a chance coming. Up and he was excited. The, the function of our faith must take us, though, beyond just being hopeful. And I do believe in having hope. You heard me talk about it. It's okay, brothers and sisters, to think about glory. It's okay to remember that we are not living for just what's on earth. That all of that's good. But the function of our faith needs to take us a little bit further. Our faith needs to be accompanied by godly works. In response to what happened on August the 11th and 12th in Charlottesville, Virginia, where we witnessed images of white nationalism, protests, counter-protests, violence, death, and tragedy. Dr. Wayne Schmidt, General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, our denomination, wrote a statement to the entire church. And you can read his statement in full by logging on to the denominational website www.wesleyan.org. I appreciated his address. And at that website, you also can find the Wesleyan Church position papers. I recommend to you, if you're fairly new to the Wesleyan Church and you want to know something about what our bigger denomination is about, to go to those papers and they cover a, a large um, variety of social issues. I recommend you read them. They cover our stance as a denomination on these big issues. I want to tell you that I'm a Wesleyan pastor today largely because of the church's stance on such issues and their adherence to the Bible. At any rate, as part of his response to the terrible events in Charlottesville, Dr. Schmidt wrote the following. I denounce any behavior couched as Christian that dehumanizes people and elevates one group over another. Our doctrine as Christians and history as Wesleyans in particular compels us not to be silent or inactive, but to engage in love. I call on all Wesleyan churches to pray for our nation, Charlottesville, and for the pastors and community leaders on the front lines Risking their safety there. Now as a pastor. I urge you. To let your faith. Be fuel. 
for action in your life. Please listen to me carefully here. I wholeheartedly agree with Dr. Smith that believers in our church need to engage in love. Let the works of your faith demonstrate your love for God and your love for other people. If any of you here participates in a protest, I I urge you, I beg you, do it in love. Make sure what you do out there when you are protesting is done couched in the love of God. If anyone speaks out against a leader, do it in love. Here's what I'm asking the Lord to do, help me to do. I want to intentionally express love to people who aren't just like me. I want to have respectful, long, loving relationships with people who I don't always agree with. I want to try to learn from them and maybe even understand them a little bit better. And before I criticize our leaders, I want to pray for them. Before I cross my arms and look at others and say, ain't it awful? I want to reach out in love to others. Before I pontificate about the ills of our society, I want to be quiet and really listen to someone that I might not want to hear from, even if they're saying something I don't appreciate. Bottom line is, if I'm a man of faith, if I say I love Christ, if I say I love people, then it has to come out more than just words. Works need to come from me that back up my words. I need to be a lover of God. And I need to be a lover of people. And my faith needs to show up in tangible ways sometimes. And so as a pastor, I'm urging you, congregation, let us, let us consider how our works are, uh, make our faith evident when we do what it is that God would have us to do. The function of faith is to fuel godly works. James 2 verses 14 through 17 clearly instructs us that faith without such works is just dead faith. It doesn't matter. You can talk to talk, but if you don't walk to walk, your faith doesn't matter. I know that's hard, but that's scripture. James was not one to pull punches. How does biblical faith work in us? Well, our text is far from an exhaustive list, but it does tell us some of the ways that faith works in people. It tells us in verse 3 that faith gives us understanding. In verse 4, we will see that faith enables us to worship God properly. Verse 5 tells us that it enables us to walk with God. Have a walk with him. Verse 6 tells us it enables us to please the Lord. Verses 7 through 10. It enables us to hear God speak to us. Oh, I want that. I want to hear God speaking to me. Verses 11 through 15. It tells us it enables us to receive miracles and blessings from God. And verses 17 through 19. Faith enables us to trust in a time when We don't understand what God is doing. We may not understand, but we trust God's heart. We trust who he is. Folks, my friends, this book calls us to faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God.
And I, when I was preparing this message and looking through it, I started asking myself, God, for, for whom am I preaching this? <laughs> what, is, what, what is the purpose of you laying this message on my heart? And here's what I've been praying since I've been thinking about this. I'm asking God to increase all of our faith. Amen. I'm asking God to increase our faith. I want to believe more. I want to believe better. I want to live better. I want my works to be better. I want it to be evident in my life that I am a Christ follower. And I want my faith to grow. I'm astounded as I've thought about this. Jesus actually said that if we would have faith the size of a little mustard seed. Well, how big is my faith? <laughs> because, because that size faith is mountain moving. That size faith, you talk to a mountain, you say, get out of here and go to the, be cast into the sea, and it happens. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. So I'm just thinking, Lord, that gift of faith, boy, it's pretty little. I better be exercising my faith and build my faith muscles up, okay? Listen, I know I may be speaking to somebody who really struggles with faith. And maybe as you have sat here listening to me, you've thought I'm idealistic or that it's just not, it just doesn't happen for you, that you can't help yourself, your mind's not going to let you get there. And I'm asking you, if you are that person, would you please allow me to start praying for you? I, that's all I want to do. I don't want to come to you. I'm not going to talk to you about it unless you want to. But I want to pray for you that God will build your faith. I finish with this. I feel um, my heart went out as I read. My heart goes out as I read a story about a man who came to Jesus. His heart was so heavy. And you'll remember this father. He was a dad and he had a little boy. And... Um, Throughout this little boy's life, this uh, little boy had been attacked and possessed by a demon. And you'll recall the story of how this little boy would have convulsions because the demon would attack him and would throw him on the ground. He would foam at the mouth. He, he fell in the water. He fell in the fire. There was nothing his father could do to completely protect his son. And if you're a dad, you know how tormenting that will be if you love your son. And so he's watching this happen and, and he encounters Jesus and the little boy is literally having a convulsion in front of Jesus. And, and in the conversation, he looks at Jesus and says, Lord, if you can do anything, please help. And Jesus looked at him and said, if I can do anything. And Jesus wasn't rude. He didn't say, boy, do you know who you're talking to? But that's what he said. <laughs> Do you realize who's standing here with you? And the man, and he said, if you will believe anything is possible. And the man said immediately, Lord, I do believe. I do. But help my unbelief. Help me overcome my little teeny tiny faith. And immediately the Lord took that little bit of faith, that little confession and God performed a miracle and delivered that boy. And that demon never came back into that boy's life again. It, he was gone. The boy was healed. Here's my point. Somebody here tonight or today may need to cry out to God. Please, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. 
Joe, do you mind playing for us? I can't help seeing the irony of this. Joe walking up to the piano and he's not even supposed to be here with us. But because of faith, Joe was healed. But that said, maybe you struggle. Maybe you do. And all I want to do as your pastor is pray for you.